Thank you. Good afternoon. So when Pastor came up to me and asked me to preach tonight, he comes up, he says, Josh, can you preach on the 30th? And I said, Pastor, why the 30th? And he was like, it's just the day I picked, right? He didn't tell me he was going out of town or anything. So I was under the impression that I had kind of a choice whether or not I should preach tonight. So during preparation of this sermon, I prayed pretty fervently about what the Lord wanted me to do, what He wanted me to speak on. And I just kept getting shut down. Like every, every topic I picked, it was like I was, I was like, I really want to preach on the humanity of Christ and like what that means because Christ was fully man, fully God. So I started studying for that, and I was looking into it and everything, and the Lord was just not leading me there. Like, He kept shutting me down. Every passage that I had just didn't feel quite right. And I was getting pretty discouraged. I was having doubts that I was supposed to even preach tonight. So I'm praying. I'm asking Him, should I preach tonight? And if you want me to, give me the passages you want me to speak on. So about two weeks ago, I think it was Wednesday of two weeks ago, uh, Brother Bill Johnson comes up to me and he was like, hey, I'm really excited for, to hear you on Sunday. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm praying about it. I'm still deciding whether or not I'm going to do it or whether or not God's going to have me do it. And he was like, oh, well, you're already on the schedule, so you know, you're going to have to tell Pastor that one. So that was pretty much what sealed the deal. I was like, all right, got to really start studying for this, start getting ready. So I was reading, reading through. I fell on 1 Thessalonians and I was like, okay, this is a really good book. Like, I really would love to preach on that. But if you read through Thessalonians, you can't really take just one chapter out of it and preach a sermon on it. I'm sure better preachers could. But it was more so I was feeling that that should be a sermon series. So I was looking in Thessalonians, and I felt the same thing. God doesn't want me here. I say this to say that when I was preparing for the sermon, I was faced with a lot of doubts whether or not I should do it. And I don't think that's a personal struggle. Like, it definitely could be just me facing doubts, but I think we all face doubts in our life, right? Doubts that the money coming in is enough. Doubts that you're being a good follower of God. Doubts in your abilities as a follower. Doubts that you're being a good father or mother or husband or wife. Doubts that you're being a good kid or friend. All these doubts we're faced with throughout our everyday life. So that's what God had me preach on. So let's see what Scripture says about doubts. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Sorry, Exodus 3, 7. Sorry about that. All right. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of, out of, the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto the good land and the large, unto the land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites." Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, 
that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight asking you to give me the words to speak tonight and asking you to open the ears of everyone that's listening. I pray that you fill me with the Spirit. I, I thank you that we're able to meet here tonight in this free country, Lord, that we don't face oppression. And I pray that all goes well tonight, Lord. In your name, amen. So, a little context of this passage. We see the Lord talking to Moses long before he parted the Red Sea, long before he took the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses is raising a flock uh, in Jethro on the backside of the desert after he was in Egypt. He killed an Egyptian out of anger and fled out of Egypt. And now we see him on the backside of the desert living a you know, solitude life, just alone, raising this flock. And the Lord appears to him in this burning bush. right? I'm sure you've heard that story. And he says to him, Moses, you need to go to the Israelites, rally them up, go meet with Pharaoh and get the Israelites out of Egypt. Because I hear their oppression. I hear their mourning. So I'm choosing you to go and deliver them. And Moses is faced with so many doubts, right? And I don't bring this passage up to justify my own doubts about preaching tonight or justify your doubts, but to show you what God does when we have these doubts. So Moses is just this guy, right? Before he was a consequential religious figure, he was just some guy, you know? A Jew raised as an Egyptian, kind of this outsider, fled from his homeland because he killed some guy. He's just some guy. He has these doubts that I'm not, I'm not good enough for you, Lord. Why have you tasked me with this? So that's the context of this verse. That's what we're seeing. And you can see why Moses would have these doubts. Like you hear of Moses and you're like, well, obviously he's a biblical figure. He's going to do the right thing. But he was just some guy, just like you and me. So we see when he's faced with doubts, what does the Lord say to him? And Moses, in verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. That's really what it's all about, right? When we're faced with doubts, it's doubts in our own ability, our own you know, strength, our own wisdom. But God doesn't ask us to go to these battles with our own strength and with our own wisdom. He says, I will be with thee. He will go with us in these battles. A few weeks ago, Brother John LaBelle, a missionary, said, when we show up in faith, God is there to help with the work. And I believe that to be true today, as true as it was in you know, 1500 B.C. When God says, I will be with thee, Moses, he's telling us that as well today. So, if you flip forward to chapter 4, verse 10. 
we see this pattern arise. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither he- I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech, and of slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. So we see this pattern. The Lord tasks Moses with this great uh, task, this great job. A very scary job, right? Go unto Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all of Egypt. If you think about it, he has the right to be scared. Because what God's asking him to do is go unto Pharaoh, tell him, hey, I know that you're using these Israelites as free labor, as slave labor, and you kind of built up your economy on these Israelites. And that's how your whole kingdom works. It's all through the Israelites. They do all the work, and it's free, and it works, and everything. But I need you to let them go, right? It's kind of ridiculous to think about that, <clears throat> that like, you can just see that Moses' doubts are somewhat justified. Because what God is asking him to do is kind of crazy. He's asking him to go to the most powerful person and tell him to turn his whole kingdom on its head and just expecting him to accept that. Now, of course, the Lord says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It won't go that way, but I will use it for my plan. But Pharaoh's doubts are justified. Just like our doubts are justified sometimes. Like we, we feel like we don't have enough money to put the food on the table. Sometimes that's a realistic possibility. But God tells us he will be there for us in those times. So, Moses is doing the same thing as he was doing in chapter 3. We see this pattern. God tasks him with this job to go talk to Pharaoh. Moses says, all right, but I'm not eloquent of speech. I can't do it. You've got the wrong guy. And God says, I'll be with thee. Now, just to put into context Moses' doubts and how powerful they were, God came to Moses in this burning bush and told him, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. Moses most likely couldn't even look upon the burning bush out of God's glory. So he's standing there like this, like, Lord, I am not the right guy. You have the wrong guy. So he's blinded by God's glory and his doubts are so powerful that he's still doubting that God has the right guy. Which is ridiculous to think of. Ridiculous to think that you hear God's audible voice and you still doubt him. But that just speaks to how powerful these doubts can be sometimes. So in our passage, we see this pattern occur again and again and again. But what is God really asking Moses to do here? He's not asking him to go and fight the battles, like I was saying, out of his own strength. He's asking him to be faithful. He's asking him to go talk to Pharaoh, and I will provide the rest. He's not asking him, hey, you've got to go convince Pharaoh, you know, make this perfect argument on how his economy can still run and how his kingdom won't fall. That's not what he's asking him. He's asking him, walk faithfully and I will do the rest. I will be with thee. Often we forget, as believers in Christ, as saved believers, Christ is living within us. If you had something that was stressing you out, say it's a test that you didn't really study too hard for, when you should have. 
say it's a business meeting that you're nervous to go do, or say you have to reprimand your kid, or something, just imagine something that's serious that you don't necessarily want to go do. How much easier would that be if you opened the door to that business meeting and Jesus was sitting right there in the conference room? Imagine how easy it would be to say the right thing, to say the godly thing, if Jesus is standing right there listening and talking with you as you're speaking. And that's the reality we live. Jesus is living inside us. He is sitting in that conference room with us. But we we forget about that so often. So remember that. Remember that God is with us as believers. God is with us. Imagine Him sitting there. That's like a little practice I do uh, from time to time. Like when I'm praying, I don't I try to picture that I'm not praying up, I'm praying next to me because God is right next to me. So I try to picture that he's with me every day. So God isn't telling Moses, hey, go do this in your own strength. I expect you to set up a perfect speech. I expect you to convince Pharaoh. He doesn't expect that at all. He says, give me faithfully the little you have. Moses' whole argument was, I'm not eloquent of speech. I'm not enough for this task that you have tasked me with, Lord. I am not enough. You don't need to be enough for God to use you. Moses was just another man. But God chose him. And that's what makes him different. Moses was small compared to this task that he was, uh, he was supposed to do. He really wasn't eloquent of speech. That wasn't an excuse. That was a reality. Moses probably wasn't the most authoritative figure. He probably wasn't, you know, super eloquent or he didn't have anything prepared. He seemed like he was the wrong guy for the job. Like those doubts were somewhat justified in that. It wasn't just excuses. But he had the little bit to give. God tasked you with this massive job but he doesn't expect you to complete that. He expects you to lean on him, to trust that he will work in you. So let's see another example of that. In 1 Kings 17, verse 10. If you'll flip to there. All right. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10, it reads, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of two sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel, that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch, the, fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruse. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that I may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and go, do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after... Make it for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, unto the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to 
uh, the saying of Elijah, And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So, I'll give some context behind this as well. Elijah is a prophet of the Lord. Very powerful figure, right? He was uh, told to go into the city and he will find this widow woman. And she will provide for him. So he faithfully goes. He's, he's trusting in the Lord that he will provide. <clears throat> and he goes to the city and he finds this woman. And he tells her, hey, this is the woman that God has told me that will provide for me. Get me some water. I'm thirsty. So as she's doing that, she's gathering the water. He's like, all right, I'm hungry as well. Get me some bread. And she's, uh, she's just saying... I have this little bit of bread left. Tiny little bit of bread. Flour, essentially. I have flour and oil. I was going to make this little cake, give it to my son and me, and then we're going to die. This is our last meal. Why are you asking this of me? So I bring up this story because we're this widow woman. We, our abilities in ourselves is this little bit of bread. And God is Elijah, right? If you, want to draw that, if you want to draw that relation. So Elijah's asking, hey, provide for me, feed me, all this, and then feed yourselves. And she's saying, it's not enough. I have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I don't have enough for you and me and my son to all survive off of. That's like us. Her little bit of flour and oil is like our abilities and our own strengths. When God is tasking us with something so great... Like Elijah's tasking her, feed me, support me, all this. She can't fulfill that. She doesn't have the strength. She doesn't have the means. She doesn't have the necessities to do that. We don't have the means or the necessities to do anything that God wills of us without God. So we have this little bit of oil, this little bit of bread, and she's faithful with it. She gives it to Elijah first, trusting that the Lord will provide. She gives him the last of her food and water that was supposed to be for her and her son. And, the, and God provides the rest. God makes it so that this flour and oil doesn't run out until the rain comes again, which is about three years, right? Many days, it says. So God provides for this widow and her son many days because she was faithful with the little that she has. That's the whole point of this. God fights our doubts with faith. The opposite of doubt is faith. And the faith that God will provide when there isn't enough. When we give faithfully with the little we have, we take that first step to go talk to Pharaoh. We give the little bit of bread and the little bit of water. God provides the rest. He is faithful to do that. That's the whole point. So what's the application? What can we take away from this? A pretty obvious one is be faithful to what God has given you. Moses could have avoided all this doubt and all this pain and all this torment, all this stress, by trusting that God was going to fulfill what he said he would. God said, go unto Pharaoh and free my people. If Moses was just like, all right, I'll go do that, no, no doubt, I got that, he would have avoided all this. 
So be faithful to do what God has told you to do. Go on to preach on to all creatures, right? That is what God has tasked us to do. We just went through missions conference, and that was a big portion of it, that we're supposed to share the gospel to all nations, to all people, to all creatures. So God will provide us with the words to say and the means to achieve that goal when we're faithful with the little we have, when we take that step out of our door to go speak to our neighbor, or when we give faithfully that little packet that we got to give to the homeless person on the side of the highway. Right? God will bless that situation, and he will give you the means to achieve that. So be faithful to what God has given you. Number two, keep in mind that the Lord is with you. I touched on this earlier by saying, as believers in Christ, God is with us. I used the example of going into the conference room and Jesus is sitting right there. That's a reality for a lot of us here. God is with you in your everyday life. Start living like it. If you already are, that's great. But a lot of us forget that God is with us all day, every day. Some people may take that as a downside, like, oh, I can't get away with anything now. But the reality of it is we're never alone. We're never lonely. God is always with us. He's always willing to fight for us when we're doing what is right. So keep in mind that the Lord is with you. And I'll close with this. Moses was crazy, right? To go to Pharaoh and tell him to collapse his whole kingdom. That is crazy. Without God. If he didn't have God in that situation, it wouldn't have worked. It's insane to think that God miraculously had this plan fall into order and had it all work out for his glory. But without God, Moses was crazy. And I bring this up to say to the unbeliever, get right with God tonight because if you think Moses was crazy for doing God's will, wouldn't that make you crazy for living outside of God's will? Because you can't do anything of your own strength because all you have is that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil. And that won't miraculously appear without God's will. So get right with God tonight. Keep in mind that the Lord is with you. Be faithful to what God has given you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Josh. Praise the Lord. That was good, wasn't it? I love that story of Moses. Um, there's so much there that the Lord has used to that in my own life. And um, I believe, when you consider the context of that story, I, I believe that Moses knew that somehow, some way, God was going to use him to help liberate the Israelites from the Egyptian bondage. Uh, I mean, how else can you explain all that happened to Moses when he was miraculously saved from the immediate death sentence that, was, that every, every Hebrew child was born into when Pharaoh was trying to, uh, to, uh, to squash them out because they were getting so powerful and so strong. And uh, Moses' mom, as you know the story, um, hid him until it was impossible to hide, and then she put him in a basket and set him afloat on the river only to be found by Pharaoh's daughter and then raised in Pharaoh's house as an Egyptian royalty. And so he, he learned how political organizations operate. Again, Egypt, as, as Josh said, was the most powerful nation 
in the world at that time. And, uh, and so I think because he was an intelligent man, he was putting two and two together and starting to see the, the, the burden that uh, the Hebrews were carrying. And when the opportunity came to liberate, he stepped in and he took charge and he killed that Egyptian who was mistreating uh, the, the Hebrew. And um, again, you see the rest of the story that uh, he had to flee for his life because of that. He had made a choice that he was going to side with the Egyptians and not with, 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 the, uh, with the Hebrews and not with the Egyptians. And so here's the point that's always really challenged me from what Josh had said this evening, was uh, too often we get the idea that we can do anything, that we have the ability in and of ourselves to accomplish anything that we set our heart to accomplish. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, as long as, you know, as long as you set your mind to it, you can do it. I mean, we, we, we preach that into our, our kids today. And it, it took Moses 40 years of wandering in the desert in exile to realize that he couldn't do anything. In fact, he learned that lesson really well, didn't he? When God came calling and said, hey, it's time to go. You know, I've been preparing you. It's time to go. Well, don't, you know, send somebody else. I can't speak. I can't do this. I mean, over and over, Moses said, I can't. So he learned the lesson really well that God was trying to teach him over that 40-year period. It's almost as if God said, well, Moses, I know you can't. And now that you know you can't, let's go because I can. And so the lesson is God has gifted many of us. And praise the Lord for that. There are many people in our fellowship that are highly gifted in knowledge and skill and ability and certainly spiritually gifted that that the Lord gives us when we're saved. But we need to be able to take all of that and lay it on the altar and say, it's not about my abilities. It's not about my knowledge. It's not about my charisma. It's not about any of this. Lord, I give that all to you. And then use me, fill me, work through me, help me to be an ambassador for you. Help me to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I can't do this on my own. And you say, well, what about Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, praise the Lord for that. But again, read, remember what that says. I can do all things through Christ. And context is important. Look at Philippians 4.13 in the context of chapter 4, and it's about suffering. It's about being full of care. It's about being set free from that and finding peace and how we accomplish that. And God says, uh, through the, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote to that church in Philippi, I can do all things through Christ. It's one of the reasons why so many, of us, so many of us fail in counseling. Addicts fail because they think they can do this. They think they can beat this. Bill, when someone says, I got this, yeah, that, that's a major red flag when someone says, I got this, because you don't have this. The Lord has it. And so when the Lord calls us to do something, to go and open our mouths, to confront someone with the gospel, to confront a leader. Uh, it's okay to say, I, I'm not sure I can do this, but the Lord has called me, and so, Lord, I'm going in your strength and your power with your words and your presence, and I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to be faithful. And it's amazing what the Lord does when someone who has so little just says, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go. And so Moses was a great lesson for me because I needed to learn that lesson, and I've needed to learn that lesson in my life. 
I thank the Lord for things that he has gifted me with, skills that he has given me. And again, you've heard me say this before. I have done this long enough now where the tendency is to think, okay, I hear this problem and maybe something will arise tomorrow with Pastor Bill being gone and I'll have to deal with things, more things maybe than I normally deal with. But there's a tendency to think, okay, I've, I've been here before. I've heard this problem. I know what to do. There's a great danger in that, right? Because I need to say, Lord, I am not sure what to do here. I need your help. And again, you've heard me say this oftentimes when I meet with someone for the very first time in counseling, and I hear the story, and sometimes, again, the stories are so incredibly difficult and painful and just heart-wrenching and, and sad. And I find myself saying, I don't even know how to... I don't even know where to start here. I don't even, and this is what I'm thinking to myself when I'm hearing these stories. I don't know where to begin. And the Holy Spirit says, no, Steve. That's how he speaks to me. Steve, that's my name. No, no, Steve. He doesn't speak. To, I don't hear this, but this is how he speaks to my heart. And I was, he's like, Steve, it's not up to you. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to point them to me. Into my word, where all the answers exist, all the things we need for life and godliness are found in the word of God. You know, that takes the pressure off. Moses had to stand before the most powerful man on earth and uh, say, you've got a couple million people here, you need to let him go. <laughs> Can you imagine how crazy that is to stand before him? He's not even going to let me in. Well, he will if God sent you. And he'll do what God has, has called you to do if you're faithful to do that. So it's not up to us. We have to depend on the Lord and his strength and his power and his presence and his grace and say, Lord, here I am. Help me to do what you've called me to do. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you to bow your head. Close your eyes. Stand to your feet as we have this time of invitation. Be faithful with what God has given you. You say, I don't have much. I don't have any special skills or abilities or talents or gifts. Well, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you do have a gift. The Holy Spirit has promised to gift every believer with something that will enable you to serve him. You have the gift of life. Everyone that's here has breath. Everyone that's listening to my voice on the Internet has breath, you woke up today, you can offer your life back to him and say, Lord, here it is. I acknowledge my life does belong to you. You have purchased me with your shed blood. What? Your life is not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I don't have much, Lord, but I give it back to you. Be faithful with what God has given you. We need to be like the Apostle Paul. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Tomorrow morning as I go to my job, as I go to, as I go to class, as I go to the grocery store, what would you have me to do? Be faithful with what God has given you. And realize and remember, we're not in this by ourselves. We don't have to do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. But that's freeing to me. That's liberating to me. I just have to point people to Christ and to his word and his promises. And that's where the power is. The gospel is not up to me in terms of how charismatic I am, how appealing I can make it sound. It's not an appealing thing. But the gospel says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. Not me, 
It, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. We just simply share the truth and let the truth do its work. If you're here tonight, and again, I look around, I know most of you in this room, I know most of you have trusted Christ as your Savior, but I don't, at least publicly, I don't know if that truly is the case. It's time to get right. I love that terminology. We misuse it oftentimes as believers. When you say get right, you're speaking to a lost person. Because it speaks of our relationship with the Lord. Uh, When we sinned, we died, going all the way back to the garden. And so we're out of relationship with the Lord. But when we realize what Jesus Christ did for us, how he died on the cross to save us of our sins, to cleanse us of our sin debt, to pay our debt, it made it possible for us to once again be rightly related to God. One of his children, one of his sons, one of his daughters. And so if you're here today and you're not born again, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's time to get right. And there's a glorious relationship awaiting you. To be rightly related with your Creator is an amazing thing. The fellowship that you enjoy, the communion that you enjoy, His leadership, His presence, all those things are part of having a right relationship with the Lord. So again, whatever the Lord is challenging you to do tonight, we have this time of invitation for you to respond to whatever God is doing in your heart and life. You can do it right there in the pew. You can do it on your couch if you're at home. Listening to this, you can do it at this altar. Just do something, especially if the Lord has put his finger on something in your life that needs a change. Just say, yes, Lord, here am I. I will be faithful with what you have given me. Father, thank you for the good message we heard from our good brother tonight. Lord, bless him as he continues to find ways to uh, share what you're putting on his heart. We've all been blessed by it. We've all been helped by it. And so, Lord, help, it, help us not to forget what we've heard now, but actually go here and live it out tonight and the remainder of this week. Father, we love you. We ask your blessing on this time of invitation, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Sean.